City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You are listening to the Hornets and Heartbreak Podcast on the All Hornets Podcast Network. One podcast feed with multiple shows making sure we cover the Charlotte Hornets from every angle. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. All Hornets Podcast is affiliated with the Fans First Sports Podcast Group. On today's show, we're going to talk about the recent preseason game against the Miami Heat, and we're also going to break down the front court of the Charlotte Hornets, similar to the way we did last week with the back court. One note, uh, this show was recorded before the recent news of Kai Jones being released by the team and also the Miles Bridges legal issues. So please keep that in mind when you're listening. We did not know about either of those two things when we recorded. Thanks and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Hornets and Heartbreak podcast. My name is Mark Bernanke and I'm here with my co-host, Tim Rogers. What's up, Tim? What do you do? Liquor Mark. I'm doing pretty well, man. The Hornets had their first preseason of the uh, game of the year last night. And they got started out with a game against the Heat. They ended up losing, but at the end, it was just all of the bench bench players, the players who aren't even on the bench playing. So um, it was a pretty successful game. They were leading like 104-95 with four minutes remaining. And that's when uh, your guy, Tim, Cole Wilder, is that his name? Oh, yeah, dude, huge fan of his game. Yeah, yeah, he dropped he dropped 17 points in the fourth quarter and uh, led a fourth quarter comeback by the Heat. But basically, the story of the night from a Hornets perspective was that the starters did really well and outperformed the Heat starters, whereas the backup units were terrible and left something to be desired. Even by preseason basketball standards, yeah, that um. That backup unit was one of the rougher watches. I was not prepared for that after about six months off of Hornets basketball. It was a rough reminder of what could be. Yeah, yeah. It's like if LaMelo's hurt, what is this team? Um, specifically with, with the backup units, what we were struggling with was just creating shots um, and having any sort of playmaking on the court. Now, Cody Martin's injured. Miles Bridges is not playing. So there's going to be a little bit more talent on the backup unit when we're actually playing. But <laughs> Taylor Maladon, Taylor Maladon did not play last night as well. Uh, I'm not sure of how much of an impact he's going to make. But basically, like to start the second second quarter, the first bench unit was um, Frank Natalikina, 
Brandon Miller, Nick Smith Jr., JT Thor, and Nick Richards. And then the second bench unit in the second half was the same unit but run by Edmund Sumner. And I think it's safe to say that both point guards did not really do a good job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, saying the offense was run by Ed- Edmund Sumner is um, a bit of an overstatement, I would say. I mean, he was good at running the ball into the other team's hands. Yeah. I, and, like, in that second quarter, the Heat went on a 20-0 run against that backup unit, and we didn't score for, like, six minutes. It was it was really rough to watch. Um, and I guess Frank and Edmund both went one for nine from the field. They only had one assist combined, and they had three turnovers combined. So the backup point guard question – is kind of the biggest thing that I that I took away from this game in terms in terms of negatives is who is going to step up and fill in those minutes when Lamelo can't play. Yeah, that is that is going to be probably the question of the entire season, and really something that's plagued us every year outside of every year for the last ten years outside of again like the Jeremy Lin year and the Dennis Smith Jr. year have just never Devontae Graham. Oh, that's that's true. Yeah, I'll give it give it up to Devontae Graham. But it's, it seems like every other team in the league has like three solid point guards, and uh, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, we just can't hit on that or big man. Now, yeah, and people, now, go ahead. Said so now we've hit on big men, but yeah, it's like the easiest positions to fill in the league. We just somehow whiff year after year. And people will say like, oh, like Terry Rozier can play point in in the backup units. You know, Terry is just not really a point guard. He's just he's just a shooting guard. Um, you know, he he's never had like a high assist number. You know, I I have some degree of confidence. I have more confidence in him obviously than like these other backup point guards to play that position, but he's not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. Um, he's best when he's taking uh when he's assisted on his buckets, not not isoing necessarily. Um, and he's not great at creating for others. So the the offense with LaMelo in the game though, was looking pretty awesome. Uh, I think every starter had a positive plus minus. Every starter, except for Mark Williams, finished in double figures. Mark Williams had nine points, so it was like as close as possible to double figures. And I was impressed with the starting unit. You know, LaMelo did not have like a great game. He was five of 13 from the field. He took some bad shots. But seeing him like make crazy passes again, there was one sequence in the third quarter where he threw a like pass from three quarters court to PJ Washington uh, who finished with an and one dunk. And then the next play through a lob to Gordon Hayward uh, seeing, seeing that happen again, he had seven assists at the end. That offense was really fun to watch. Yeah. And you know, not to sound like captain obvious, but those quick five transition points, um, not all transition buckets are created equally. And with LaMelo on the floor, I mean, those are just the easiest baskets you'll see probably like all season. And then he can consistently create that. Uh, you know, a couple times a game, huge lift to any offense. And in the half court, um, Zach Lowe did a feature on the five most intriguing players. And LaMelo was the uh, number one pick and had some great quotes from Steve Clifford talking about um, trying to harness his half court game in the pick and roll. And Clifford was like, we want him to hold the ball for longer. Like we want him to actually probe the defense. We like that he's quick off the ball, but like, we actually want him to hold on to it. And last night he actually was. He did the little Steve Nash, you know, cut through the paint. Don't just like whip a quick quick pass, but just continue to probe and probe. 
and it led to some good buckets for uh, Mark Williams and PJ Washington. So kind of excited about the potential of LaMelo becoming a more stable half court presence. Yeah. And I will say he got to the line like six times last night and it was, I, I think it was good because like it wasn't a good scoring game necessarily from LaMelo. He wasn't particularly efficient, but he still was the player that caught your eye. He didn't get off to like a great start, but basically for an off night from LaMelo, he was still really, really good. Um, so, so that's, that's encouraging. I also want to give a quick shout out to Gordon Hayward who had a good game last night, five of six from the field, 15 points. He was a calming presence, as we say on this podcast. He was he was good. Yeah, he actually was. It's like it was annoying to hear that in the first year of the contract, but now that it's kind of wind, winding down, I'm like, I hope this isn't our last year of Gordon Hayward. Uh, <laughs> like on. you know, he, he's kind of grown on me. Like you know, I wouldn't want to continue to pay him uh, this much money, but yeah, like you know, cliche is a cliche for a reason. Yeah, he is a calming presence. Like go on an eight zero run. Oh no worries, man. I'm just gonna dribble around. I'm in no rush. It's like, wow, what a veteran presence. It's like maybe coaches aren't just lying through their teeth all the time. Yeah, I mean, if he can continue to shoot five or six from the field every night, that'd be great. Um, and <laughs> we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about him later on. We're doing a full front court preview. Um, I guess the, the other highlights of the night, JT Thor had a stretch where he scored seven consecutive unanswered points, two threes and a free throw. Uh, and it was just like, wow, okay, he's he's here. He's doing something. Um, do you have any thoughts on JT from last night, Tim? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't expect the three point, uh, shot to stay that good, but like, he's always had solid form. Like, you Mm. know, it's never, um, like I never thought that he was going to be like a great shooter or a bad shooter, but yeah, I mean, if he can just consistently do this, I mean, obviously we all saw the pictures he bulked up. Um, and we have to remember that he's still like one of the younger players in the NBA. It's like he was drafted as the youngest guy in his class. And I think he's, going to be turning 21 this season. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he had 12 points last night coming off the bench. He was like, not the lone bright spot on the bench unit, but, but definitely the highlight of the bench unit. Especially after that 18 0 run where we just needed something to stop the bleeding and didn't expect it to come from JT Thor, but was, was happy to see it. He looked confident and yeah, I mean, if he can just be a credible sport uh, floor spacer, um, really looking forward to what he can do this season. He's got some buzz from Clifford as well, which I'm buying into the coach speak since it's preseason. Kind of excited for him. All right, let's talk about the rookies. Um, I wrote in my game recap uh, on Sport SI. Uh, you can find it at si.com slash Hornets, I think. Um, and Or slash NBA slash Hornets. I'll post the link in the show notes. But Brandon Miller and Nick Smith Jr. both to me like looked a little nervous to, out the gates. Uh, and didn't necessarily perform super well. Um, let's start with Brandon Miller. He was three of nine from the field. And to me, his performance was like a little bit more shaky, actually, than Nick Smith Jr.'s. But um, I want to see him play with LaMelo uh, because on that backup unit, he was he had a lot of like weight on his shoulders to produce offense. And I don't really think that that's the role he should be in off the bat. I agree. Yeah, those the first like three minutes where Frankie Smokes was running the offense and Nick Richards was taking every other shot and Miller was just in the corner, was getting summer league flashbacks. Mm-hmm. But um, once he started to get a little more involved, the uh, three of nine, I will say the three shots that he did make, beautiful shots, beautiful <laughs> mid-range. There was the one going around uh, from the fourth quarter uh, where he got um, 
Hawkes, who looked yeah. really good also um, for the Heat. That uh, spin and then, you know, goes into the free throw line jumper. Like, dude, that looked like Paul George. I've never seen a player before where I was like, we're now the old enough that, like, people are modeling their game off Paul George. And you know what? Looks pretty cool when it's in a Hornets uniform. Yeah, I, I thought that he was forcing it a little bit last night. It's the first preseason game, so uh, not too much to be taken away from, you know, just yet. But basically, my big takeaway was, like, let's see this guy play with better players because, you know, if he's playing with that bench unit, he is going to have a lot of uh, shot creation on him. And I want to see him more, like, in the, like, P.J. Washington role of the, of the offense um, with an actual capable creator. So, uh, I hope that I hope that he gets the chance in in future games to not just not just play with the bench unit. Um, what do you think about Nick Smith Jr. Yeah. last night? Uh, Nick Smith Jr. certified Hooper. Um, I thought he looked good. Yeah, four of ten from the field, which you know I'd expect. Yeah, it seems seems about right for him. Uh, don't know how efficient he'll be this year, but um, yeah, man, he's just an exciting guy to watch. He can get downhill. Uh, you know, great handle, extremely skinny. Uh, that's really what I noticed where I was just like, God, man, like this guy is a beanpole, which again, makes sense. He's young. Um, just didn't notice it that much in summer league, but, uh, no, I thought it was promising. I mean, anything is better than Frankie smokes. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, we were talking about how terrible the guards were. I mean, RJ Hunter throw him in the, in the mix too. He was one of seven RJ Hunter, Edmund Sumner, Frank Natilkina all looked substantially worse than Nick Smith jr. Grand. They do like different things. RJ Hunter is just like, like a shooter. That's like it. Uh, Nick Smith Jr. Though looked the, looked the best, you know, he's not the kind of guy who's going to get a lot of assists. So he's not really a point guard like Edmund Sumner or uh, Frank, but, but I was more impressed with him for sure in this game than, than any of the other guards. Yeah. It was a weird, weird game plan for, um, for Tilakina where, you know, you expect like, you know, defensive guys. So it's like, Oh, he comes out there. Harrow is lighting us up and they're like, okay, go guard Josh Richardson for the first five plays. It's like, literally, what is the point of playing him if he's not mm-hmm. going to be And that? You know, we did move him on to the Harrow, but um, yeah, I, I mean, he does. We talked about it last episode. Like he seems like such a Clifford guy, but I really, really hope that does not turn out to be the case. I don't think I could do that for 15 minutes a night. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen some like comparisons between him and like Dennis Smith jr. Uh, you know, Dennis Smith jr. Is just better just better than, than Frankie smokes. I I'm pretty out on him. I'm holding out hope for Edmund Sumner though. I, I came on the last podcast and I gave you some statistics, man. Look at that free throw rate. It's crazy. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was his first game back from his torn Achilles. So uh, he did also did not, did not perform particularly well. Uh, and the big, the big question for the Hornets moving forward is what are we going to do with the bench guard units? That's, that's the number one question. Did, um, did you hear that there was the Rotten Tomatoes controversy of studios were paying for positive reviews for uh, movies that were going to bomb? I did not hear about that. Oh, well, I'm just, I'm wondering, like, how much did the Sumner Foundation, how much are they paying you? <laughs> Dude, how much, how much are the Maladon fun, Foundation paying, paying you? Okay, so me and Tim have this little debate, Teo Maladon or Edmund Sumner. We'll see as the season plays out. Uh, let's go ahead and, and dive into our front court preview. All right. We got miles bridges, yeah, Tim. Let's, let's run away from this. Sorry. Right. 
This podcast is brought to you by AllHornets.com, a credentialed Charlotte Hornets outlet powered by Sports Illustrated. AllHornets.com's aim is to bring you 360-degree coverage on all things Charlotte Hornets. From breaking news, rumors, fan Q&As, and in-depth analysis, AllHornets.com covers it all, and nobody does it better. Miles Bridges, what do you think is the thing to watch for Miles Bridges this season? Um, I want to see where the athleticism is at still. Um, you know, even after like a year of not playing, you would think that that would be like beneficial. But, um, you know, guys in the NBA, like it kind of goes like little by little and you don't notice very much. But very curious to see if he's still like the nuclear athlete he was last time we saw him. Yeah, that's a that's a great, great point. I mean, for him, I wrote everything like he had a massive leap from the 2021 season to the 21-22 season. He went from like 12 points to 20 points per game. And he's just like the most uncertain I've been about a player in years, uh, I mean, maybe like Kevin Durant coming back from torn Achilles. Like, what was Kevin Durant going to be? The spectrum's like really wide, right? It's like similar with Miles Bridges. Is he going to regress to where he was a few years ago, or is he going to continue to grow upon his previous season? Um, it's a major, major question mark. I, I have a question for you, Tim. How many games is it going to take of him playing for him to be in the starting lineup? Ooh, um, I think that that'll kind of depend on how the first 10 games go. Like, you know, I don't think we're going to start eight and two, but like if we were, I think it'd be, I'd imagine it'd be sooner. Um, yeah, I'm just, just very curious, like, is how all of this works. Like, I'm sure he was working, you know, this entire time that he was off. Um, but yeah, like what, you know, is his game sharper? Like, has he worked on the handle? Is the shooting still there? Cause the shooting did start to fall off towards the end of that season. Um, so just kind of curious to see, yeah, it's all around what he's going to look like and what role he's going to slide into. Like, is he going back to the four? Like, are we going to try to slide it in with the three? We just have so many questions on this team, even though like it's essentially the same team it's been for the last three years. It seems so much more open now. Yeah. I mean, I expect him to play the four and I, I mean, I think PJ, you know, he played, started like 60 games last year for us. And I think PJ will get like a a little bit of a like stand in. You're the starter for now. Um, when Miles like initially comes back, it's going to be very interesting to see how many games it takes for him to like overtake that starting role. I, I mean, I think it'd be a weird look for him to like first game back be the starter. I, I don't think that'll happen. Um, but I mean, it could be three games. It could be five. It could be. It could be never. All right. So moving on from Miles, uh, we got PJ Washington. And the thing that I'm watching for PJ this year is his percentage of minutes at the five. So last year, he only played 4% of his possessions at the five compared to 54% in 21-22 and 46% in 2020. When the teams were way better, Tim, teams were way better in those years. Now, granted, we were obviously massively shorthanded last year. That, that plays a factor. But the team has consistently performed very well with PJ at the five. So I got some stats for you, Tim. In 21-22, when PJ was at the five, we had 120 points per 100 possessions. That fell to 116 with him at the four. And you might think the defense was terrible when he was at the five, but we were only one point worse per 100 possessions with PJ at the five than in lineups with him at the four. And in 2020-2021, the gap was even bigger. 117 points per 100 possessions with PJ at the five 
And when he went to the four, we were down to 108. That's a nine point gap. So, uh, yeah, Woo. I think I think the lineups with PJ at the five are good. And I mean, we'll get into this later when we start to talk about Nick Richards. But like, let's run PJ at the five in the backup unit some. And uh, I think the offense will, you know, we're talking about these point guard issues. How are we going to get shot creation? Well, the answer is like, just put in more talented offensive players everywhere. And I would like to see PJ play more at the five. Yeah, that was always kind of a weird thing. Because um, I think, you know, Clifford does do a lot of good things. It's weird that he just completely abandoned that. Like, never even gave it a shot last mm-hmm. year after it was, you know, kind of a talking point prior to that. And, yeah, so let's assume you think that Mark Williams will play, we'd say, like, 28 minutes a game. I think that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but I think that, you know, 14 minutes a game for Nick Richards is, like, a good amount. Because he's a hustle player, so it's like you kind of want him just like bull in a china shop for, you know, the stretches where he's in. You don't want him gassed at 20 minutes a game. Like, give P.J. six minutes a game at center. Like, just run it against backup units. Give it a chance for the first month at least. Yeah, and I'll say that I'll cut Steve Clifford some slack in, like, not trying this last year because we were just so injury-deprived. Like, and meanwhile, we have, like, a dearth of centers, right? So playing P.J. at the five didn't make as much sense last year, but going into this year healthy with Miles Bridges, the lineup of LaMelo, Terry, Gordon, Brandon Miller, whatever, and, and then Miles and PJ is a great offensive lineup. Yeah, I, I could see that being a monster in transition and the half court. Yeah, I hope that hope that that gets a chance and like I don't want it to come just like you know I don't want Nick Richards to get injured and like it happened out of necessity but you know just try you know just move some things around I also think it'd be good uh you know backup units because Brandon Miller does need some spacing like he does have trouble finishing he's still pretty slight slight and you know not the most athletic guy and so like when Nick Richards is in there yeah pretty hard to beat his own man and then whoever's waiting at the rim just you know to give just give a look you know yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Um, let's move on. Mark Williams, who we just briefly mentioned now our starting center. Uh, and when you look at his performance last year, uh, you might not be wowed by the stats when you look at them, but in the games that he started, he was really starting to come on and he averaged basically 12 points, 10 rebounds in a block per game. So Mark Williams is now bonafide. I think he's just going to continue to improve on his finishing and his defensive skills. Um, and I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to have a young talented center that we can actually trust moving forward. Yeah, no, it's um, like pretty much every time um, he's on the court, I'm just like, wow, he is so big. Like Thomas Bryant is a big dude and Mark Williams just like towering over. What I'm looking for Mark is, just the minutes he's on the floor, not the team, um, you know, not like the full 48 minutes, but like while he's on the floor, can we be a top 10 defense? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, he is excellent. Like in the defensive advanced metrics. Yeah. And that, that will be tough with him, you know, starting. So we'll be going against starting units, which is, you know, tougher uh, to maintain a top 10 defense, but like, you know, if we could even be just top half of the league with, you know, because we have some questionable defensive players in that starting lineup. Yeah, just 
curious to see like what his impact will be throughout the course, like a full season. Cause I do think he's really good. Um, I thought he was good last night. I thought he was a little slow on some rotations, uh, chasing blocks a little bit, uh, some, a couple dumb fouls, but overall, I mean, going up against Bam, like Bam would give anyone trouble. Bam's so quick as well. He's working on that pump fake, but, um, yeah, just really interested to see like what kind of defense we build around him. And also I am curious what happens the first time we play the Sixers. Um, you know, that's a tough matchup for anyone, but Embiid has just bludgeoned us for years. Kind of curious to see what Mark Williams can do. We have the Embiid stopper now, Tim. We got him. Marky Mark. Uh, he's, he said he's been working on his three-point shot, Tim. That's been like a whole off-season story. Uh, last night, didn't see him even think about taking a three. So I think that was just uh, off-season talk and not actually a thing. But I guess stay on the lookout for that. Stay on the lookout. Hey, Wendell Carter was hitting threes last night, dude. Anything's possible. Mm-hmm. Anything is possible. All right, Gordon Hayward. Uh, for, for him, I got, can he get his three point shot confidence back? First two years in Charlotte, he shot 41 and a half percent on threes and 39.1% on threes respectively. And last year that dropped to 32.5%. That's like kind of the story with every single player on our team. Last year, everyone did worse because just everyone was worse due to all the injuries. But, uh, he also took a full one and a half shots less from three. On average, like per game, he was taking significantly less threes. So in order for him to succeed, he needs to get that three-point shot confidence back, take and make them like he was two years ago or last or or three years ago, I guess. It's like I've seen that stat for, for years that he, you know, pretty much shot 40% for those two years. I guess it just never really felt that way, which I guess is just not fair to Gordon. Um But yeah, that always surprises me. And I guess last year he had the ankle injury, which maybe that was kind of hurting the range. Um, It will be pretty curious because obviously, you know, three-point shooting is not sticky year to year, as as the team knows, going from, you know, top five to bottom five. Um, Yeah, I think that'll be interesting. I mean, the health is always a question. But yeah, just um, what he does with this team, like how malleable, like he's such a malleable player. I wonder how he's going to fit in with these lineups and like, would Clifford ever kind of demote him mm, to the to the bench unit? I I mean somebody, it's probably PJ Washington, but somebody in that like PJ Washington, Miles Bridges, Gordon Hayward mix is getting bumped down, and then they're not to mention if Brandon Miller starts playing well, it gets even more complicated, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean I think PJ Washington's first to go out of the starting lineup for for Miles Bridges. But let's say Brandon Miller is coming on strong. It could, it could be useful to bring Gordon off the bench. I don't think Clifford would ever and, do that. Yeah, I mean this in a way. I don't. Yeah, like I don't mean it in a way of like, oh man, like Gordon Hayward sucks. He should go to the bench. And again, like we're not the 2015 Warriors. But I mean, like in Andre Iguodala goes to the bench and they let Harrison Barnes start because like Barnes needs to start and wasn't as effective on the bench. Like I mean, it like as a bench leader like i don't think that he's a bench level player like i definitely think he's one of our five best players and should start but yeah just curious to see you know just what type of you know like how how malleable will clifford be this year just moving Mm. things around and experimenting because i mean i think he is like not fully on the hot seat but they do have a team option after this season Mm. so it's not like he's got five more years on the deal and like i don't think like you know 
whatever happened last season, definitely not his fault. Like, I don't think he's a bad coach, but just something to look out for. It's like, you know, is he kind of throwing, throwing some wild pitches this year, taking some chances? Yeah. I mean, I would say history tells us that's not necessarily his style um, taking chances, but I, I mean, I agree with you. I can see a world where Gordon Hayward coming off the bench, like makes more sense. Cause we have like a lot of strong offensive players on the starting unit. And then a lot of the poor offensive players on, on the bench. So I, I could see it. I could see the same thing. We were talking about miles coming off the bench. Like it, it could make, it could make sense um, for, for a little bit, at least let's talk about uh JT Thor. We already talked about him a little bit earlier, but I guess, the thing that excites me the most about JT is kind of the same thing I was talking about, PJ. Like, can he play the five? Do you think it's possible? Um, this is another situation with, like, backup fives? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, do the Thunder are starting Chet Holmgren? And obviously, they're very different players. But, um, yeah, I'm trying – like, I don't think there's that many guys in the league that just, like, you know, bludgeon people anymore. Like, you know, there's the Valanchunas – Steven Adams, Embiid, Jokic, but like outside of that, like, you know, Wendell Carter isn't going to like, you know, break anyone's ribs posting mm. up. So, I mean, yeah. I, I could see it. I like, I, you know, I think we, we were a little too, too high on him early, especially like that Memphis game. We had that big, like 25 point comeback and like, you know, he just looks so tantalizing defensively, but like now he actually is like of the age where he's coming along. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he got some run back up five, if there were some injuries. And I think that he would do a good job. I think he's an awesome defensive player or could be an awesome defensive player. Has all the tools. Yeah, I mean, seeing the lineup with Nick Richards and JT Thor in at the same time, that's what really, like, made me think, like, ah, can we move JT to the five uh, and get a, get a little bit more offense going in, in, in that lineup? Um, and, you know, his three-point shot – I am kind of buying into it just looks so clean. He was three of five last night from three. We'll see if that continues. But I mean, the shots that he made were so good. I mean, he made two back to back at the start of the second quarter. And I think another one in like the third or fourth quarter. His shot, his shot looks good, man. And he, you know, Clifford says all the right things about him. Like he's working really hard. Um, Saw, you know, preseason clips of him knocking down three after three. So I'm buying into his shot. I think he's a good three point shooter. And especially, yeah, like, these were not just, like, wide-open, like, corner threes either. Like, these were, like, top-of-the-key threes. Like, his man was there, and he looked confident in it. Yeah, he's got a very, um, in, like, a good way, a very mechanical shot. Like, mm -hmm. it looks like, you know, it's just very repeatable. Just boom. So, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that's the case. Um, you know, he's never going to be, like, a great ball handler or anything. But I'm intrigued by his offensive game. Really just an enigma of a player. Like, you could tell me that he's out of the league in three years, or you could be like, oh, yeah, I mean, he's getting 28 minutes a game. Yeah, and I think once Miles come back, comes back, he might be the odd man out. Like, he might be the guy that's not in the rotation anymore. Um, but, you know, he'll get he'll get his stretches of run, and, and he's got to make the most of it because, um, you know, he is in a tenuous position with Mark Williams, uh, P.J. Washington, Nick Richards, Miles Bridges. Uh, all playing four and five. So he's going to need to stand out to be able to continue to get minutes. Let's talk about uh, Nick Richards. What are your thoughts on Nick Richards going in this year, Tim? Um, with Nick Richards, I want to see if the offensive rebound is sustainable from last year. I think that's his biggest attribute to the team. 
And um, last night, I don't know. I mean, it was preseason. It's so weird where he looks super engaged and like, like have a hustle player sometimes. And then other times he just looks so disinterested to be in the game. Mm. Can't really get a feel for him. There was that one time where he was like, took a dribble and immediately lost the ball. I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about, but he continues to have those like very clumsy plays. Like we were joking for a while, every inbounds pass he's ever thrown has gone to the other team. Uh, and he does have like a pretty high turnover rate. I looked this up. His turnover rate is higher than Mark Williams by like a substantial, substantial amount. And then in comparison to Mark Williams, when they started last year in games that either player started, when Nick Richards started, the team averaged a minus 4.6 uh, in those minutes. And when Mark Williams was a starter and on the court, they were only minus 1.1 on average. So that's like a three and a half point gap. The gap between Williams and Richards is pretty substantial is what that, what that indicates. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say about Nick Richards, James actually brought this up in their podcast they released on Tuesday, uh, but he gets fouled a lot. 26% of his shot attempts he got fouled on last year, which is in the 99th percentile of the league. Whew. That, yeah. um, that tracks with the eye test. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a burly guy, and he's always he's always in there. Like, there are some games where, like, it looks like he has great touch, and then, you know, other games like last night where it's like he just can't buy layup. Um, yeah, I still think it's an intriguing player. I like the contract that we got him on. And, you know, worst-case scenario, like, if he is winds up being the third center by the end of the year, that's a pretty good breaking case of emergency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, he's – I mean, he's a quality backup big. I guess – my point about Nick Richards is that I would I think the team should go the route of PJ Washington at the five or experiment with I'm not sure if JT Thor at the five will work, but at least experiment with it. Because if we're just running lineups with Mark Williams and Nick Richards the whole time, we kind of are, are like too big, you know, with with Miles PJ, JT Thor playing the four. Um, and there's not enough shot creation. So I want to see the team like in those backup units experiment with smaller players at the five rather than just like, okay, Mark Williams comes out, Nick Richards comes in every single time. Yeah, I agree with that. It is almost like an overcorrection of where we were in the Borrego years, where it's like, okay, it's it's okay to not have a seven-footer on the court at all times. Exactly. Like the defense will survive. Again, especially against second units, where like the beauty of second units, the players aren't as good. It's like you don't need as much defense on the second unit. Mm-hmm. That's a, That's a great point. Uh, all right, Nathan Mensa and Leaky Black. Any thoughts, Tim? Um, <laughs> good for them for getting on an NBA court, but um, don't don't really see becoming a regular thing. No, yeah, they'll both be on the G League team. They'll both they'll both be on the Swarm. Uh, we got four Nate Mensa minutes last night in garbage time. Except it wasn't actually garbage time because it was when the game actually mattered. But that was when both teams had uh like their backup backups and. And uh, didn't didn't see enough data to really come away with any conclusions. Uh, he both him and Leaky Black are, are rookies, and yeah, I expect them to be uh, on the G League squad. And maybe we'll have we'll have some stuff to talk about with them later on in the year. But right now, I have I have limited thoughts. Do um do we see a large enough sample size from RJ Hunter last night to say that he does in fact suck? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question uh yeah one of seven from the field in like in seven minutes is that right seven minutes he took seven shots seven minutes. He, was, 
<laughs> he was chucking. I, I texted Tim. I was like, I didn't know RJ had that green light. He, he was taking any shot he could, uh, trying to make his stamp. But yeah, other than the one made three, he was he was a net minus. I'm ashamed to say that was probably like my second or third favorite stretch of the game. Like outside of like the starters run and like the initial uh, Brandon Miller run, like once he was on the court, dude, I could not take my eyes off him. <laughs> I just couldn't believe every time was he's getting up. To yeah, that's pretty cool though. Cause like, you know, if you've been out of the NBA for that long and you know, you got one shot, you don't want to just go like Oh, for one in seven minutes. At least, you know, he went for it, man. Everyone can learn a lesson from RJ Hunter. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was pretty it was pretty funny. All right, uh Tim, what do you got for media corner? Um, I'm gonna go with the new um Sufan Stevens album. I'm sure I, I always butcher his first name. Um, but uh yeah, it's called Javelin and um a legitimately beautiful, heartfelt album. Uh everyone should check it out. He's um really just been on like a 20 year stretch of just putting out awesome albums so everyone should listen to it what you got uh the show on netflix alone reality tv show basically it's the survival olympics i don't know i i've really been uh enjoying watching these people who are like very talented at survival skills thriving out here basically the goal is to to survive in this northern canada cold climate for as long as possible uh and they're pretty pretty cool pretty cool episodes probably don't watch it if you don't like hunting but i don't necessarily like hunting but it's just that's a that's a part of the show uh yeah that's my that's my show i've been watching recently and uh i guess my submission for media corner all right tim it's been real hunter mark uh (laughs) wait how many days do you think you could last i thought about that probably like three I think that's fair that's reasonable dude three days is a long time uh, yeah it's like super cold i mean i would just like maybe i would try to do something but i have no no survival skills so i would be focused on starting a fire and staying warm <laughs> and then i would give up i mean how many days do you think you could go <laughs> um so i'm not allowed to bring any supplies i can't bring any like nicotine i'm probably <laughs> dipping out after like 12 hours man i'm taking a walk <laughs> animals but um yeah, that's, that's about it. I mean, like, realistic, I think, yeah, like, three days max, but I mean, I'm probably not catching anything. I don't know. I don't really have any issue. I'm a, I'm kind of, I'm kind of gross. Like, I'll eat food that's been out for a while. So, like, I'd be more of a vulture. I wouldn't be into the hunting, but I'd be chowing down on some stuff, man. I got no shame. I have no palate. That'd be my biggest and uh, worst advantage. Yeah, I'd probably get, like, dysentery pretty quick, though. Yeah, the the thing that has me dying is that the, your first thought was like, I can't bring any nicotine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Just Tim. being realistic, man. <laughs> it's been real, Tim. All right, it's been real, Mark. All right, peace. Be safe out there. Thanks. Peace.